0: The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sistina, and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today.
1: I need help getting out of my student
2: loan debt. I'm so
0: debt. worried. How am I going to afford taking care of When's my parents? When's a good
1: time to get into the market?
2: I'm really
0: not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I
1: wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I
0: can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina & Company are on deck to show you the way.
3: Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Joining me this afternoon, Tony Payne, Spencer Hagar. We are all certified financial planners. Uh, Today's show, we're gonna be talking about American enterprise, the history behind it, history on the importance of it and our economy, and even could even extend to the global economy. Uh, before we get to that, we always like to open up with some current events. Tony, what's on your mind these days when it comes to current events and the economy and financial planning?
2: Well, we know there's been a lot going on. I mean, there's the war going on. There's a potential of other things going on in the world after this. So we're we're definitely trying to be as forward-looking as we can be in what we're researching and looking at. And, you know, this might be the tip of an iceberg now, and we just really have to stick to things and really see it through. But there's a lot going on right now, whether it's the Fed and rates or this global stuff or even the trade picture. I mean, that's still not settled with – the supply chain, so there's definitely a lot
1: going on right now.
3: Okay, Spencer, Keep, what specifically is on your mind these days? Uh, I've
1: Honestly, more of the Fed and interest rates. Like I've been looking at the 30-year for mortgages, 30-year mortgage, been popping a lot,
3: it's close to five percent now, right? Yeah, it's right? like
1: four, four and a half, or just topped it. it's
3: Getting close. It's
1: crazy to look at what that's hit right. after what it was a year ago. But
3: people will be appealed now with uh, variable rates or uh, ARMs, right, Tony? It's a yeah. good idea.
1: Uh, <laughs> it depends,
2: and you see my face curling up as I say it depends. I mean, it really depends. Yeah. Um, and, and I think also interesting, I think I'm starting to see the jumbo rate a little lower than the traditional 30-year, which is a little interesting. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think we'd see that higher.
3: Yeah. yeah. And there's there's talk now. I'm seeing a lot more articles about the inverted yield curve yeah. where short-term rates end up being higher than long-term rates. Uh, that's a concern because usually that is a sign of a recession. Uh, again, we're not saying to change your in, a portfolio strategy You should always have that planned out in advance so that's not what i'm going but inverted yield curves a big uh benchmark to be concerned about to your point uh spencer about the interest rates right the fed i've again more articles apparently some people are predicting seven more rate increases this year there's even talk they may increase it a half a basis point you know 50 uh, basis points next time we don't know where it's going but interest rates are climbing quickly And that's, uh, I think, a good thing. But where is it going to stop and settle down here?
2: Right, I mean, it's that balancing act too. I mean, we saw where new home sales were finally slowing down. It seemed like the first time in a couple of years. I mean, that's what the Fed wants. In theory, they want to put the brakes on so that prices don't keep climbing. So hopefully, they can navigate this soft landing that they call it and not crash the economy with a hard landing.
1: Yeah, it has been tough to kind of sift through the noise, though. Right, because they were saying seven rate increases, and then a lot of the big talking heads were saying no way they can get away with seven. Right, and then J Powell. Fed chairman came out, made his first move, and now I'm hearing all these governors come in and say, "We'll do whatever he says, we'll support it because whatever they can do to get inflation under control." But
3: Yeah. Well, the, like the St. Louis Fed governor, exactly. I, I forget his name, but he he was he's let's go. Yeah. Giddy up. Let's me make this happen faster. He's encouraging quicker response with increasing of interest rates. So, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but again, that's a big impact on everyone's financial plan, especially mortgage uh, rates and uh, we always talk about it on the show. If you're in a house, you better plan to be there for an extended period of time. I say 10 years at minimum. And, and we may see a, a slowdown in housing, uh, new mortgages, new home purchases, and so forth. There will be a slowdown. I think it already is happening, but yeah. it might be more in middle America and certain uh, economies, but it's happening.
2: Right. And part of the reason the Fed may be able to put the brakes on, too, imagine what oil's doing overall, too. I yeah. mean, when they yeah. were baking in that seven increases, they may not have expected this. And here's some tailwind or headwinds to the economy, too.
3: Yeah. Well, so that's it for uh, the current current uh, economics uh, of current events in America. Uh, obviously, Europe, there's other things going on. And hopefully that comes to resolution real quickly here. But yeah. Um, We'll keep our eyes on it and continue to talk about it in upcoming episodes. Well, today's uh, topic, Tony, you picked it. What's it about?
2: It's about American enterprise. Love it. <laughs> you That's see my excites face? You. <laughs> I mean, oh, I get so excited about this. I mean, you think it's the? I mean, it is. It's the juice that makes all of our financial plans happen. It is. And without that American economy and without that vitality in it, it's not going to be there for our families or for the future either. So as important as it is for us, it's important for the next generation. So just talking about the concept today, really going down history, (laughs) understanding what might be coming in the future, that's what we're hoping to cover today.
3: Yeah. And and again, you didn't specify or exclude small business, big business. So we're going to talk a little bit about both. But- and starting off, we talk a lot about small businesses. Um, a lot of people think a small business might be a one- or two-person shop, but that's not true, right? Small business as defined by the Small Business Administration. Small Business Administration. Yeah, so yeah SBA, SBA. You got it, too. Yeah, I think an association administration. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right, not so I'm getting my uh, acronyms all confused here. But it's based on two things. Obviously, first, it starts, what industry are you in? And based on the industry, it could be based on the number of employees in the uh business itself or the revenue that's created so examples are industrial firms it's 500 employees uh maybe uh the farming industry a million dollars of revenue of certain farming uh chicken egg production I found interesting I saw that that is 16.5 million dollars of revenue so the definition is based on the industry you're in but it makes up a large large portion of our economy and how they measure it is what percentage of uh, small businesses, how much do they contribute to the GDP? So I'm going to give you a trivia time. All right. <laughs> All right. So SBA going back to 1958, what percentage of the GDP did small business contribute to it?
1: Spencer, you first. I'd say, I don't know, 55%. Okay. 90.
3: Okay. Spencer wins. He's at, it's 58%. So uh, 58% of the GDP was uh, comprised by small business. I'm, I'm going to challenge 19- that stat <laughs> yeah. because small businesses grow into big businesses. <laughs> yeah. So so that's one thing. Uh, in 1980, it shrunk to 50%. And then from for the next 30 years, it hovered around 50%. And then in 2014, it started to decline. And now we're hovering around 43%. And this is all through the SBA uh, statistics so what we're seeing is a decline in small businesses I'm concerned by that right so where where does that economy go to is it all going to big business is it going to government so what why is this happening so it's a question to be answered
1: yeah probably big business right if you had to guess that would be mine
3: yeah
2: well and I mean you look at some of the stats behind the scenes though and we know small business I mean you think about a lot of things local is where you're gonna get the best that's where you're going to understand your customer the best being able to adapt and not be some big behemoth organization that has to have 18 meetings to decide on what color paper you're going to use mm-hmm. i mean small businesses usually have 16 times more patents per employee than larger businesses do right. so i mean that just tells you right there innovation's coming from the small business it is
3: it starts there no look at apple right started in a garage was a uh, steve jobs steve wozniak started yeah. apple computers in a in a garage so it starts as you said it's every business starts as a small business and the other thing too is it creates jobs the creation of jobs comes from the small business side
1: yeah I was gonna say too something that's comforting to me um, don't quote me on this I, I can't point you to a study but I do know like a lot of the big institutions uh, in uh, education realms right the big universities they're trying to start in gear Students more towards that because you can look at certain cities and see how much they're dependent on big business. Like Columbus is a good example. We have a lot of huge biz- businesses in and around the area. If one of them decides to up and leave, right, it would it would be crazy. So you can actually look at that impact across the country. Yeah, and it happened out
3: in Dayton. Yeah, right. It was a big Dayton has a big impact with big business back in the '60s and '70s. A lot of them left, and it changed the whole local economy. Same thing with Pittsburgh with the mm-hmm. steel industry. Well, when we come back from the break, we're going to continue our discussion with. Uh, American Enterprise, you're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.
0: You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes.
3: Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Today's show, we're talking about American enterprise and business, small business, how it improves and is essential to our economy. Uh, Tony, we, we left here talking about job creation. Um, how important is the small business to job creation?
2: I mean, it's a, to describe it in words, I can't do. So to just try to give some statistics behind it, from 2000 to 2019, small businesses were responsible for 10 and net new jobs which is awesome. And when we compare that to large businesses, they created 5.6 million. So it's the small businesses that were the engine the last 20 years almost for the majority of jobs. So again, when we think about shopping local and people starting their own businesses and that vitality, I mean, when you think about the overall health of the economy and trying to keep a low unemployment rate, it's businesses that do that.
3: Yeah. And it does, it it is about the community too. And Spencer, you mentioned that we use the examples of for Ohio, uh, Dayton, right? When companies leave, how big of an impact it is. I use the example of Pittsburgh when the steel industries shut down. Or in uh, northeastern Pennsylvania, where I'm from, the coal industry. So when you have these big uh, shifts in uh, jobs and basically uh, economy, if there's no other business to support it, the local community, they have to recreate the industries. Uh, The example I like to use is a small town that I grew up in. Beautiful Main Street, Main Street, USA, all the sh- shops and stores. You had the, the store you go to get your jeans and then the shirts and then the electronics. And this is into the 80s and even into the 90s. Then all of a sudden, one company said, hey, we'd like to put a mart there Uh-oh. in your town, a certain kind of mart. That was a big <laughs> store, and we will get you cheapest goods possible. So your community's going to love it. They do did love it. But what happened was, guess what happened to Main Street, USA?
0: Take a lot of boarded up
2: buildings, yeah.
3: A lot of boarded up stores, so no more jeans store, no more electronics store, no more. The the wholesomeness of that community was gone, and if you had people coming from an outside area for the tourist aspect, it looked a little hurt, right? And it was it was an eyesore, but sure enough, the the local folks they love that uh, local big shopping center, right? That they can go and get everything at one one stop, right? Because it was cheaper, but it down the community aspect and that was the one thing that's the fight small business big business and that we fight in america today
2: right i mean there's that balancing act we know it too of you want the community to be inviting to business and be somewhere that business wants to be but at the same time you want to make sure that you're not driving business out And the unfortunate part, like you're talking about, I mean, imagine those fire departments or imagine those other budgets that were built in or that grew. And when you have those big businesses leave or those couple entrepreneurs decide, I'm welcome more elsewhere, and they pack up and go, you're stuck there. And that's the hard part, too, of this. So as much as we want to encourage business to do their part, I mean, the communities hopefully have to be willing and welcome here and, and with some balance, like you're saying.
3: Yeah and go ahead spence yeah i
1: don't know it did it, it did all kind of drive this home like this is a perfect tony topic but um just, i hope that's good yeah yeah, yeah no it is right, but seeing how much small businesses rely on like other small businesses within the area right you get a couple to leave and then it really doesn't impact on everything else Right, so domino effect yeah. and it kind of drove it home i used to because i've grown up in columbus we've always been a pretty big city constantly expanding and then i would kind of go outside and see some of the other cities where they try and limit how much new big business they let in It didn't really make sense to me until you kind of find out, right, you drive out some small businesses that relied on local logistics and things like that. It it kind of all tumbles down a little bit.
2: And it's going to lead into one of our later segments, but we see where the impact of community and really government – changing the rules sometimes can really encourage business i mean Stephen, i know you and i over the last 10 15 years the rise of these craft breweries and all these different cities i mean it didn't just pop up out of nowhere it was the state governments changing their laws yeah. and enabling this stuff to happen
3: and we're seeing it again with the it's not necessarily small business but the casinos right changing laws and everything the other thing too is you mentioned like the the big thing in columbus a few years ago was the Amazon, where was Amazon headquarters two gonna be located? And they did this big study and and they're looking for, they're looking for what what breaks you're gonna give us. And the question that I asked and somebody said, hey, but what about all the businesses already here in town? What are they gonna say? Right, so there's a lot of, so you're gonna give them all, all these tax breaks to move in. Where are the tax breaks? We've been here for 30, 40 years. Where are tax breaks? So there's got to be a level playing field there as well,
2: right? And that's the interesting part here, where we can all be pro-business, but at the same time, where's the fairness? And we know fairness is subjective, Mm -hmm. and sometimes fairness is what? Lobbyists do you have working for you, Spencer?
0: (laughs) Plead the
3: fifth, yeah. (laughs) Well, the other thing too, it's smaller businesses. It it promotes um, there's more diversity, Uh, women-owned, minority-owned. Right. So that's that helps, too, with the the economy and helps with the local community is very, very important. So small businesses are the staple and the backbone of every community and every economy and encompassing the larger economy.
2: We're going to keep this thing going. We got to keep small business going.
3: We do. We do. We have to support them. Um, That's where I'm concerned about the e-commerce. Right. Going logging on and I do it. I'm as guilty as anyone else logging on, hitting a button and it shows up in the mail a couple of days later, whatever product you want to buy that impacts the local economy. And that's where the local, are we going to start charging local sales tax? On these e-commerce prog- products. Yeah,
1: I started not to get too, uh, not to get too. Taxi. No, not even that. Just t- <laughs> too sentimental. But I was thinking about this when we were preparing for today, and I remember like I would talk to some people during the shutdown. I'm not trying to bring it back to COVID, but people would kind of joke about that, like you would eat out and you'd be like, oh, "I'm supporting the local economy," you know. It almost became a joke. And you think about it, doing the show, and it's like maybe we all should have been thinking that way a lot more outside of just yeah. during the shutdown
3: right no right it focus it yeah, was a exactly. focus right when yeah. we didn't have that local restaurant to go and then suddenly hey we could go yeah but there's only one server for the 500 people that are in the building because everybody was there. You had to keep them happy, so next time you show up, there are two servers, right? So
2: So what I'm hearing for the 100th time is trickle-down economics is real.
3: (laughs) If I go to a business and I
2: shop there and they have to hire people and those people get paid and you have to buy goods to make me happy and those people get paid, it seems like everybody's going to be happy at the end of the day. It's not a direct transfer hope, to one right. person yeah, right I but agree. it's how the economy works
3: it is it is and that's that's an important piece to it all so uh there, were, there was a great little uh, article that we we got from business news daily and it was the 21 of america's oldest companies which i thought was pretty cool because there are some really old companies that are a part of this country um the oldest one going back to 1752 I was sort of floored by it. I was like, wow, that's pretty old. Caswell Massey.
2: 1752. Yeah. I mean, again, we're doing our research here and looking into it. And the idea that George Washington gave a (laughs) bottle of one of their colognes to the Marquis de Lafayette. (laughs) I mean, what a cool thing to be able to say in your company's history. You think about all the different ups and downs they've been through. Really neat to see that.
3: Yeah.
1: I I was just in Boston at the Lafayette Mall. See,
3: there you go. Yeah,
1: my favorite
2: though. Did there's you
3: a... participate or help the local economy? I sure did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> but I did
1: like this. So there's a lot of big names in here, like J.P. Morgan's, of course, in here, Citigroup's in here, and my personal favorite was uh Pabst Brewing Co. Yeah, we're gonna like we're pizza. gonna get to that. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna
3: get. We're gonna do a whole segment on the imp- important part of uh, beer in this country. Yeah, absolutely. I figure. Yeah. Way. Get up and fill up a thirst it's here, right? I'm uh, salivating. Jim Beam was a big one too, yep. right? Jim Beam started in 1795, so uh, alcohol obviously was a major part of this country's uh, development and jobs in the economy. Uh, somebody mentioned the J.P. Morgan Chase, Dupont, Colgate. A lot of yeah. our big
2: name companies now. I mean, if you've done yes. it right for almost 200 years, you're doing something right.
3: Yeah. So when we come back. We're gonna do the next segment on the future of business, where it may be going. And then the last segment, we're gonna do uh history of brewing in this country. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Joining me on today's show is Tony Payne. Spencer Hagar, we are all certified financial planners. For the listeners out there, if you'd like to learn learn a little bit more about John E. Sestina and Company and managing to be wealthy, you can look us up on the web at managingtobewealthy.com. We're always available for a free consultation just to discuss your financial plan. Uh, We believe everyone should have a financial plan, not necessarily everyone needs to pay for one, but you should have one. And that's what we're here to to talk about on this radio show. You can even uh, subscribe to the podcast. Listen to past shows and hopefully get some insight on building a sound financial plan. Well, today's show we're dedicating to enterprise, business, small, big business, big business, the impact on the economy. Uh, let's go. Let's go back to the future here, Spencer. We were joking about the the wonderful movie that is Back to the Future. Yep. But uh, we we don't have that privilege of time travel yet. But... <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Time, yeah. What's the future all about, young man?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I struggle on this one. Um, I think most people think AI. I don't really see how that's a future career path or anything like that. I think it's just going to kind of intertwine with everything that's currently going on. So I don't know. I think we're going to have to go back to our roots a little bit. Some people are going to have to ditch the four-year degree and start doing trade schools and things like that. Um, And then outside of that, I think it's going to look similar today, just a lot more advanced. So I think the sectors you go to, I mean, everyone always says healthcare and STEM. Mm -hmm. Maybe that pans out, but... I don't know. I don't think anyone really knows.
3: Okay, Tony, any thoughts on your end? Even short-term future, next
1: Uh,
2: five years. I'm not good at short-term. I'm thinking longer-term. You're a big-picture
3: guy. You you know
2: it. Um, I, I don't know. I can honestly see the day and just looking at everything we see where, I don't know how else to say it, but actual work physical labor, that which requires you to be present, where that's going to be the premier labor, where that's going to command a premium, where you think about somebody who could be anywhere, work behind a desk, maybe the machine could learn it or repeat it. It's going to be those high skilled jobs like Spencer mentioned, I think, where it's the trade schools and I'll say doing things where it's really gonna require a person, that's what we trust. So I, I just can't help but think longer term as the nature of work shifts, hopefully the, the value of working with your hands goes up too.
3: I agree. And, and for the business owner, and we've been talking a lot about small business, for the small business owner, right now they're strapped with the concept of work from home, right? Um, yeah, it's great. I think it's, it's pr- proven a, a possibility uh, my question is how long will it last work from home is not new. I heard we, when the internet started way back when you guys were much younger uh, days, uh, I was already in the working world and they talked about telecommuting when the internet was a thing. And we were, the company I worked for was building uh, fiber lines and connecting internet and high, high speed internet. That's what we did in the late nineties. And it was all about telecommuting and that's the future. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen until the year 2020, right? Until <laughs> it was like a it took a pandemic and everyone to separate themselves to really make it a a forced change because the employers wanted people on site. And you say, "Okay, fine. Let's everyone work from home. It's a possibility." But what I'm seeing now is what, what's going to happen with the business and the companies is the culture is going to f- start to fade away. Productivity is going to start to fade away, and they're going to start to pull people back in because you need that that culture, you need that teamwork, that team building, it's an important aspect. And it's gonna be up to the employers to provide that environment where people want to be in the office. It may be an open bar, it may be a game room, it may be a ping pong table, it may be all those (laughs) things to entertain the employees from time to time to take that five minute break.
2: Right, well in a lot of companies that was happening even, well not a lot, but a few, especially the further west you are, it got more exciting, but the idea too of you know what? What drove some of this stuff in my mind, I can't help it, the federal government and the tax code taking away some of these group retreats and being able to deduct things and I get it. There were abuses perhaps along the way. Yeah, the two
3: hundred thousand dollar birthday parties, right? Yeah, that might <laughs> right. be an
2: abuse. But right. the idea of having <laughs> you know I, I agree with you. Let's You're right, say that. but no, but, you said
3: there was people that pushed yeah, the envelope. But right? the
2: idea of having a place that DuPont. That was a company we talked about earlier. You know, they'd have a farm and they'd be able to have executives and customers out and they'd pay the people to take care of the farm and they'd have their hunting and fishing and stuff like that. But at the same time, you were stuck with those other people. You were there having a full on 24 hour mission almost, Mm -hmm. and you were going to get something done or talk about it or build that networking where I feel like the current culture, at least starting in the 80s, it really shifted to you have to be in the office. The only way we can do this is in the office. And then as the tax code just tightened up more and more, thinking of those extras as just elaborate executive freebies, they didn't realize perhaps there was some networking involved behind it. So I I get frustrated by a little bit of that because it'd be nice to have that in work environment with your peers, but not necessarily be stuck in
1: the office as you do it. I agree. I don't know. I just kind of feel the same way about it. I just... um... I don't I, I don't know how I feel about the work from home aspect necessarily. I think you're probably right. And like I said, I I've, I've actually been reading some books about not specifically what the future employment is going to be like, but I think I take comfort in knowing it's probably going to get a lot more competitive, right? Yeah. I don't think AI and technology is going to make people lazier. I think it's going to have to force people to be on their game. Yep. So probably more manual labor and also if you're not doing manual labor, you're going to have to
3: get ready. And I do believe what you are said about the trade school, yeah. right? That's an important thing. And I think we went through a major shift in trade school is computer science. Yeah. There was, a, there was a, the last 30 years that was a trade school, but unfortunately way too many people went into that industry uh, or area of expertise, but we need, to, we need electricians, right? Try to find somebody right now to fix something in your house. It's not the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. And it's a hell of an income, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got a great income if that's your motivation, uh, it's something to do. You can be self-employed. I was going to say, right?
1: speak in a small business. Right. Yeah. Speaking
3: yeah. of small business, the self-employed uh, aspect of things. So that's to your benefit. So uh, I think that's an important. I, I agree with you where that's a necessity in the future. Yeah.
2: Machine learning still excites me, guys. Yeah. I mean, it really does, though.
3: <laughs> I mean, That's not new, there. though. It's not, it, it's no, not you know, new, right? The, the, Look at the auto industry.
2: The processing speed of it's what gets exciting. You're right. It's not new. A lot of this isn't new, but it's the fact that you can have the speed, the responsiveness that tries to make it a little better, almost like being there in person. <laughs> yeah.
3: It's an evolution and it's not going to stop anytime soon. Um, so. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where the next uh, 10, 15, 20 years takes us, but we are seeing a shift where the employees are c- require, requiring and, and demanding change, demanding flexibility. I think that's the most probably the most important thing, even for parents with small children. Yeah. Hey, can, I, can I work from home so I can just duck out and go pick up my kid and get back to my computer? It's, it, you can be more efficient that yeah. way. So you know, I don't see it happening every minute of the day, though, or five days a week. No. I agree. Absolutely. Anything else about the future, Tony?
2: Oh, man. It's exciting. A lot of people may think negatively, and I could too at points, but I think there's just going to be exciting things coming. When you think about what's happened with medicine in the last two years, to apply those to some other things that are out there should be pretty exciting.
3: Yeah. Dietary um, and maybe health-related health where we can be healthier with uh, the advancement of medicine. Yeah, exactly. Very good. Well, we have another minute here. Uh, we'll start, want to tease the next segment.
2: Oh, I get excited about this. Yeah. Steven, glad, I know I'm you're salivating. I'm glad Craig's not
3: here for a reason. So yeah, we're going to shift to, to one of the fun. most important industries in the history of America. And Tony, what is that?
2: That is the beverage adult beverage <laughs> we're talking about beer people yeah uh, the beer industry in america <laughs> it's it's been the backbone for a long time there's a lot of examples of entrepreneurship throughout and an industry that's faced a lot of adversity mm-hmm. literally killed by the federal government for a couple of years yeah so here we are and this will be exciting i think to dive into
3: i think so i joke because craig craig's an ipa guy and i just can't stand my IPA. fancy man and uh, <laughs> me of german heritage loves my i love my lager my pilsners so that's what we're going to center around the German immigrants. Uh, we can talk about the Irish whiskey. Uh, that was a part of it as well. So, when we come back from a break, we're going to go into the history of, um, I guess, beer and alcohol yeah. in this country and the importance business. to the economy, business. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.
0: You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes.
3: Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Today's show, we're dedicating to American enterprise business. Uh, The foundation of our country is with business. And Tony, we've picked a fun one here to close out the show at the last segment. It is the beer and alcohol industry. Give a little history behind the importance of this in the business world.
2: There is our interstate commerce system that came about as part of this. I mean, the idea of brewing something in one state and shipping it to another, and how do you deal with the laws and the taxes of that. There's the impact of immigration and immigrants and bringing something new to the country. And then there's the overall impact, too, on supply chains. I mean, you think about this is something that you can get a standardized product coast to coast and now worldwide, and it tastes the same. I mean, that was really unique back then, too, so especially when you had a lot of health hazards I mean, this is something that when you knew where it was made and you knew that label, you knew it was safe. Yeah. I mean, now I think that's something we take for granted. But there's just so much here. And that, that to me, is just the beginning of it.
3: That's a good, good point. And, and you shared a article with from History.com on, on this. Uh, it's fantastic. It says how 19th century German immigrants revolutionized American beer industry. And that's really what we're talking about. And apparently it was the German Triangle. Which was uh,
2: St. Louis, St. Milwaukee, and Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yep. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And when I moved to Ohio, I didn't realize how influential Cincinnati was in that in the beer industry, yeah. and 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 you realize it's a pretty big deal. Uh, but and what I found interesting in this article is even during the Civil War, how the uh, beer makers would ship the beer down the Mississippi River to the Union soldiers to just give them some. In, in, Enjoyment for the day <laughs> and drinking beer because one, it was 10% of the Union Army were German immigrants. So they were obviously accustomed to having some uh, nice, refreshing loggers at the end of the day. And that was their supporting of the, uh, of, of the war through your commerce, as you said, Tony. Right.
2: And at the end of it, too, I mean, there were estimated to be 4,000 different German breweries in, 18, in the 1870s. Yeah. I mean, exactly what you're saying. I mean, we t- kind of joke about the idea of beer barons, and now we think of maybe a couple big names, but there were local beer barons all over the country that made their wealth and started off their family's generational wealth in this industry. Yeah. So really My favorite
3: neat. one is the oldest American brewery, Yingling. Right. A great story. That was my you know, that was the go to for me back in my youth. uh, My 21 year old days. uh, We'll start there. And uh, I had my yinni (laughs) loggers. And that is my go to. Still my go to these days. But started in 1829.
2: Right. And you think about just American business and how this is such a fabric of American life. How did the Yankees pay for Yankee Stadium? How did they hire Babe Ruth Yeah, from the proceeds of beer sales? Yeah,
3: The owner, Jacob Rupert. Was, uh, was a beer owner, right? <laughs> a brewery owner. Yeah, fantastic.
2: I mean, again, things that we wouldn't necessarily think of, but again, one industry trickling down, trickling, literally trickling all over the place.
1: And even, go ahead, Spencer. I was going to say, I love the way this uh, HistoryChannel.com, the way they uh, put this out, though, because I've seen some of the History Channel documentaries, like uh, uh, you see like Rockefeller and all those big names and how cutthroat they were. And then I'm reading through uh, Pabst, because, Stephen, what you're alluding to, Great Chicago Fire burned up all the breweries he was 90 miles up the up the lake yeah. and then just sent it down flooded the zone 10 years later to your point did yeah. the same thing during the civil war and just marketing it's not cutthroat but right. i mean talk about taking advantage right took, yeah. took
3: advantage but he he was marketing his <laughs> yeah. his beer and they ended up creating a brand recognition and it created the staple delicious in that to day. Yeah. yeah so it it is amazing and then as you said interruptions as well in trouble times yeah during world war one there was a lot of pushback because of the German influence of the beer industry and with World War One being instigated by germany there's a lot of tension there in america
2: uh we were sour about the krauts if you might say that yes <laughs> um pardon me but, um, yeah i'm sorry they, you have german heritage i, do, I guess I do. you get a f- sure free do. pass with that one um but but you think i mean but like we're saying though i mean you had to fight that part and the stigma and the government and then there were the teetotalers too out there mm-hmm. people that just wanted to get rid of alcohol altogether i mean literally kill your industry
3: yeah that's amazing and that's started right don't don't air this in Westerville. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> For those who don't know, that's the birthplace of prohibition.
2: Right, yeah. an area where yeah. it started.
3: Yeah, and the other thing too, Tony, is uh, the alcohol industry—bourbon, um, whiskey. Right, there was a whiskey tax. They almost tried to kill it. Seventeen ninety-two whiskey tax. There
2: was, I believe, even a whiskey rebellion in there this country. There was a whiskey yeah. rebellion Not in very Pittsburgh, about. Pittsburgh,
3: PA. I believe it was the farmers out there got a little uptight with the why are you taxing just our whiskey. Right, And it was Alexander Hamilton, of all people, uh, pitched it to George Washington, and George went on a little uh, road trip, road <laughs> show to, to pitch the whiskey task. It did tax. It did not go over too well. Good man. So, <laughs> so um, an important influence on our uh, business and our economy.
2: When again, you think about how rule changes and government can inspire things. I mean, think about our wonderful open air soccer stadium and the beer gardens there, the ability to walk around and enjoy libations at times in these newly created because of the pandemic, Dora areas, the designated outdoor refreshment area, where now businesses can allow you to walk out the door with their product, be able to sell it and you can enjoy. And it's just these little things too, and to tie it back to beer and industry, I mean, if government gets out of the way, it's amazing what can happen.
3: Yeah. And it, again, right, it, it, when it could talk about the economy and the impact on the economy, is it any different? We've talked about it on the show with um, legalization of cannabis, legalization of gambling, mm-hmm. right? It promotes that tax revenue. And, and that's really where we're at with prohibition. It shut it down, and a lot of it was, you know, due to the influence. Was hey, we're we're losing a lot of tax revenue here, or <laughs> business revenue, right? It's, it's losing jobs. There was an impact there for from it.
2: It's really important, too. It's what we were talking about at the beginning, the idea of community and you want people to stay local. I mean, again, these are controversial industries, maybe not the best in some communities, and they may choose not to have them. And that's the benefit of being able to shop local, think locally here, because a one-size-fits-all solution doesn't work. So it's neat to see these different things and different things that sprouted up through time. I mean, I didn't know some of the history of baseball here even. I mean, the different leagues being formed based upon what they thought they could drink. It's Really interesting. Yeah. I, mean, I know you're a baseball fan, Stephen. Yeah,
3: it, it, it is. It, and again, it's tied into society. It ties into our local community. I am very happy in the mid-90s. The microbrew, I, I even what the craft brewery they call now. I still call a microbrew because that was okay. the terminology in the mid '90s when they popped up. It was like, oh, it's a microbrew. Like, what is that? It's a small brewing, right? Mm-hmm. So it was it was localized. But then here we had another revitalization of it. It's sort of phase two is with the craft brewing. And I love going to small towns and you see the local craft brewery, right? I love it when we see something local here. We have a lot of them here in town. Uh any, any city or town you go to, they're going to have them. And I think it's fantastic.
2: Well, you're quite a connoisseur of the foods and beverages and such. And I think you've learned, you know it. I mean, local stuff in season and not shipping it halfway across the world and deep chilling it in the freezer for hours and hours. That's probably the best tasting stuff you've had.
3: Sure is. Sure is. So, again, very important to the local economy. Uh, and we're seeing it now. Uh, small business, small restaurants, small breweries, uh, brew pubs. It's all part of uh, local environment, local jobs, uh, local economy.
1: Yeah, I'll say once again, too, probably because I'm a business nerd, but I was reading through this. uh, There's a National Beer Wholesalers Association and Beer Institute, and they were doing the study. They are suggesting that one job in the beer industry or alcohol industry is responsible for 31 other jobs because of the wholesale retailers, anyone else who touches it, they claim they at least attribute towards thirty one other jobs. So it's good stuff. It's interesting when you think about it. Absolutely.
3: It is good stuff. And that that's the kind of the it is the small business that supports the big business too. Absolutely. And that's and that's the other side of it too, is these big businesses need the small businesses to provide those the supplies to make the goods from the big business so that's that's where the, the the foundation of that small business mindset
2: and if you found any of this interesting go on to the website american dot org there's a lot of great stories there that we hadn't thought of
3: well thank you everyone for tuning in and listening please tune in again next week you've been listening to managing to be wealthy on news radio 610 WTVn